Hey, everybody, we are back. He's Tim McKernan. I'm Mike Claiborne. And, uh, man, we had a lot of fun talking earlier uh, about uh, we were all over the place, as That's we always like are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? You, see, you kind of like me on that, where sometimes you script things as far as bullet points you want to make sure you, you touch on. And then there are other times because you have a comfort level with somebody, you just turn it loose, man, and That's just start talking. Though. That to me is yeah. the best stuff. That's when best I see stuff. people do the interviews and they got the clipboard and all, I'm like, this, this may not go well because I've <laughs> never done it that way. I mean, you know, I have bullet points that I may have mental bullet points. I might have an index card, but other than that, I don't try. I, I think you want to look in a person's eye because they may say something that you never saw coming. Right. And you got to be ready to pivot. Yeah. And I mean, I always use the analogy that if you're asking a guy a question and they give you an answer, and oh, by the way, I shot Jack Kennedy. Uh, and then you move on to the next question. You know, you miss something. Yeah. yeah you know, which, yeah, which, by the way, absolutely. Speak, yeah. speaking of interviews. So I don't know about you, but I, I've been watching these promos about Oprah and the Royal family. I don't know uh -huh. if you've probably seen it. I am familiar what, with the what, what, interview currently. Other than the accent, what's different than when, when an in-law doesn't like somebody? And vice versa. <laughs> the family doesn't like the daughter or, or whatever. And, and this this warrants national coverage? Just because I, they're from across is, the pond? Is Americans have more interest in the royal family than the British do. I could give less than a tinker's damn about this, but it's killing. You know, I, I just don't. So is it me? Am, am I just being the ugly American I, I, uh, here? Because I, I, I hear about this kind of stuff all the time. Lovely, but as far as my interest in what they're doing, I couldn't have less than a tinker's dam. Is that what you said? Yes. I love that. And I'm now going to use that it's, as my It's own. all yours. It's all yours. <laughs> That's where I, I am too. I'll send over the waiver form for it. If, it <laughs> if anything, I'm anxious. If I do watch it, and I doubt I will, to see Oprah Winfrey perform her craft. But as far as their thing, I don't really have any. Yeah. I just have zero interest in that. Zero. Never have. I've always, if anything, I'm fascinated by the interest that people do have in it. So yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I, I have no idea. It's got to be about. a chick thing. I guess so, thing. man. I guess so. I couldn't care any less. Who do you enjoy watching interview people? Oh, God. Great question. Um, Howard Stern is, for me, absolutely the greatest. I know we had Arsenio Hall on a couple days ago with the Coming mm -hmm. to America 2 thing. That's Dan and, and I are going to try and watch that together. I, I can't, so you're looking forward to it? Oh, my goodness. Are you yes. kidding me? Uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch it. But I can't wait because I didn't know it. Now, this is kind of one of the things I'll probably just put in AirPods and I'll go, you know, hit golf balls and listen to it. Uh, and I'll be like in like the absolute heaven of, of possible scenario. But Arsenio Hall is a guy who I didn't realize I wanted to hear interviewed until somebody DM'd me and said uh, that Arsenio Hall was on Stern. Mm -hmm. And I get, you know, I realize he's doing a movie junket thing, but still, I think Stern will get a lot out of him. And I know they won't be, you know, able to be in studio like like it is. And just like us, we're doing Zoom interviews and all that. But still, I think people have gotten used to it, that they talk how they talk, even if they're, um, you know, not in the same place. So I love Stern's interviews. I thought Joe Buck did a hell of a job with his show. I agree. On, yeah. And I would text him that and he'd be like. Really? You really think it's good? And I'd be like, yeah, I go getting people to be comfortable is a talent. I don't know how to I don't know what skill it is, but clearly, like I was talking about with you with guys with live at Shannon's, there's a skill there. I don't know what the skill is. I don't know how you teach it. I don't think it's in a textbook, 
but that's what I like. Obviously, Costas is in a in a in a gold standard category. I don't know. What what about you? Yeah, I would put Costas in it. Um boy, there was a guy, this is well before your time. You may remember Tom Snyder used to do oh, a, yeah, a, a, yeah. an overnight show. Letterman for a while. Yeah, right. But I know um, he made his bones way back before that. Yeah, fascinating interviewer. Um and, and you know, it's it's hard because there's so many interview shows now. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got some sort of yeah. sit down. Right. And I'm not sure if anybody just jumps out in front um, because, as we were talking earlier, you got to pay attention to what's going on. Absolutely. It's a conversation. Yeah. And, and so for me, you know, Bob has, has always done a good job. And I agree with you on Joe. I, th- I thought Joe did a terrific job. Yeah, he him. didn't. He so he said that show, he felt like it was basically the same. It was kind of like a this is your life thing. And he just yeah. did after a but, while the format kind of. But he got good stuff out of people. That's that's what I appreciated about him. Um, I'm trying to think. Somebody else has jumped out at me. Uh, You know, Brian Gumble does a nice job. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, he now that's a show because he doesn't do uh, he doesn't do um, interviews. You know, you know, you never get it. I I interviewed him one time. Is that right? This was 1981. Maybe it was it was it was wow. first year I was in the business. What was he doing? I interviewed him. He was here for something at the Gateway Arch, and I interviewed him at the, under the arch. And somebody else was trying to interview him as well, and he kind of called time out on the guy. and said, "Well, wait a minute, you know, I I, I was scheduled to visit with him. Well, you know, when you get done, he said, well, I won't have any time when I'm done.' He said, "You know, I he he called the right people and yeah. set this thing up. Good he was very him. gracious with his yeah. time." Yeah, good for him. Uh, I, I think he's a pretty good interviewer. And that show, which has, I think, been on for like 25 years now, um, I love it's, still, that show. it's still the I best thing on TV. Yeah, yeah, man. It's it's legitimate sports journalism. I love yeah. that shit. I love that uh, show. But, yeah, there's so many people doing interview shows now that they're all starting to kind of get mulled yeah. together, and yeah. that's unfortunate. So I really try and find uh, shows that don't have anything to do with sports. Yeah. Uh, like James, uh, he just passed recently, you know, the actor studio inside the actor. Studio. Oh yeah. 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 I love that show. Yeah. You know, that was one uh, that I went back on iTunes and I just watched a bunch of them. Yeah. And I, I love that. Um, you know, I could take a leave Oprah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, she, yeah. I, well, I'm like, I can't say, I guess I, she is good at what she does. I don't know if she can make me squirm on the couch. <laughs> You know, I mean, maybe I'm not that excited. If we were, if we were cutting up clips to tease this and promote this podcast, you that's was, the one that you I would edit out and send out. <laughs> that's what I would do. Yeah, That's the um, one. Mark down the time code. Yeah, exactly. On yeah, frame that one. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. But, you know, overall, I, I appreciate, and, and obviously we've been relegated to this setup where we're learning a lot more about people. Because mm-hmm. there's so many different interview shows and because of Zoom, everybody's looking for an interview from somebody. Yeah. And, and fortunately, there are a lot of people who we normally don't have a chance to talk to that are talking. Yeah, Do you have anybody? Well, you got anybody on your list you want to talk to? Oh, man. I, it just so happened as I was just like scrolling through like I don't know, it was Twitter or Facebook and I saw Letterman on um, Drew Barrymore's show. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't because he was like one of those like hermit guys yeah i'm like man i can't believe he is he's doing it but i guess kind of you know is he's he's got his netflix thing going which i thought was pretty good i enjoy watching that thing uh he was on with willie geist last year willie geist from the today show yeah on a weekend they were fly fishing 
Letterman and, was? Yeah, and and Look it was really him. good. He's got to open it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was really good. Um, but yeah, he 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 does a nice job. Well, you know who you ask who, who like kind of and it's it's like a it's like kind of a, it's super obscure, and I'd be curious, and it's probably going to get us on this topic to an extent. Who who is one for I, whenever I'm back to doing you know sit down interviews if I do with with my podcast uh, would be Quinn Snyder. Yes. If I could get him yeah. to really tell the story. Because he was your guy. Yeah, that's ah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, because he was – I mean, to look back on that, you know, when you're 23 and somebody's 32, I was 22 when he was 32, mm -hmm. I think, when he got hired. Either way, 22 and 32, you're like, well, he's old. Yeah. But now that I'm 44 and I look back on 32 and I'm like, man, I didn't have my shit close to together at 32, much less to run a Big 12 basketball team. That's why they don't have 32-year-old coaches in the big Yeah, club. exactly. Yeah. That's, a, that's a case study. I'll give now, you a good look, example. That, that guy, Josh Pastner. You know, I mean, he's become like an incredible all -star coach. coach. He's all-star weekend coach. Yeah. I mean, and I thought – I mean, he was on the verge of being – what, he was coaching in Russia, and he was coaching in the in the developmental league? In the, you know? Yeah, in the I mean, G League, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you talk about young – remember that Josh Pastner guy that Memphis yeah, hired Memphis. and they thought he was a phenom. They ran his ass out of there and they're about to run him out of Georgia tech. Uh, I just think when you take it on that early, man, there's a lot of things you just, Boy, yeah. you know, I asked you the question about who you want to interview. Um, I don't want to talk anymore, any more sports people. I think I've gotten all of them. I want to talk to Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh. I'm talk to him. Boy, that, that can, that can, that's a wide delta where that can yeah, go. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love, and I'm a huge music guy. Um, I'll listen to anything twice. So my, yeah. my, my iPad is full of every, every, I don't do rap, modern rap, the old school rap I was with. Um, but yeah, Joe Walsh would be a guy that would be on my list. And I've been working on that one. And are you, are you really? Yeah. I, I got a couple you, of people. You think you're getting, getting close? Well, I got a list of musicians and music bands that I want to talk. I want to talk to uh, Tom Johnston from the Doobie Brothers. I've talked to Michael McDonald. Uh, I want to talk to Joe Walsh. Uh, and there's a few other people that, you know, have piqued my interest over the fact that they have survived for so long. Yeah. You know, because I, I really feel like we're, you and I are in the last generation of actual true musicians. Yeah. Uh, and all the musicians that I know that can really play or who have been given that platform are probably in their forties. Yeah. I, I don't hear about any great new guitar players or anybody who can really hit the drums or a good keyboard guy because those bands don't exist. I mean, you know, you have to go back to Bruno Mars to, to actually have a real party band. Yeah. yeah. And now he's in studio with Bootsy Collins and some other cats. And I really believe that they're, when they come out with this record, it's going to change the whole party scene, much like it was when when Bruno Mars came out with his hits a few years ago. I, I think wow, we're going to see a right? real we're going to see a real transition because Bootsy Collins, Hall of Famer, uh, with the P Funk generation, that yeah. that that, and uh, Bruno Mars is as talented as anybody out there, and I think that that's something that we should all pay attention to. Yeah, if you man, like interview musicians. See, it's just not something I've done, but they're they're the kind of interviews they've done it and they've seen it all. They don't need to give you, you know, politically correct answers. So mm -hmm. they're going to tell you whatever. So those are people I love to interview. I've just never, I mean, I don't think I've really ever done it. So if you can get them, it's like, yeah. how do you have to go through doing it? I mean, you just have connections. You just know people. You just yeah, know people. Of, because you're not going like, to go through Like Hall of Notes. I'm trying to get Daryl Hall, too. Oh, is and, that And right? I got a good shot at that. Wow. Uh, but I'll tell you who else I like to talk to. I like to talk to retire. I want to talk to John Boehner. 
a retired politician. That's a great because, you know, he was part of when Obama first came in and he kind of fought him initially. And then they found out they had more in common than they thought. But because they were both slaves to their parties, they 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 had to put on a front. Remember, they did that commercial together. Remember they, Obama do, and, and Boehner did that doing the Super Bowl, I believe. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Was it a Super yeah. Bowl commercial? But I, I found him to be a very interesting person being Speaker of the House at that time because he had to deal with the Tea Party movement and, and his party was starting to shift in a different direction. My read was he was a good man in a shitty situation. Exactly. And I, I knew people who knew him and that's exactly what they said. Good yeah. guy, just yeah. in a bad situation. So, but I don't want to talk to any current living office holding politicians uh because i don't get anything out of it anymore yeah, I, because I, they're gonna bullshit yeah yeah right and you know and, and i get it it's part of a what nice call that's a nice yeah. kind of like uh the quinn that's even more obscure than my quinn snyder play but that's a great idea yeah I love it. He's, he's been doing stuff he's a i think he's a lobbyist for marijuana is he really yeah. well he was a heavy smoker i was about to say <laughs> he enjoys he enjoys the, the nicotine yeah. but so and, and that's the fun thing about what we do for a living is having a chance to talk to people and um, just pick their brain about getting some. And, and that's one of the things I've appreciated your interviewing skills and some of the people you've had a chance to sit down with. And, and, and one of your marquee returns are really, you know, and you, and when you get that person, you light that fuse for them to say, boy, this guy's really buying what oh, I'm I saying. I can't get enough and, and, and then they give you even more after yeah. that. I guess I, but I'm just naturally curious. Like, I mean, we did our first hour and I was just listening to your stories, but I'm engaged by it. I mean, the business that Mm -hmm. we started, it's not intended to be a promo, but it it ties into this where we're interviewing essentially, well, not essentially regular people. So it's like an audio heirloom for their, uh, for their family members with sound story. And I've done about 60 of them now. Wow. And I love them. I love it. I love it. And I don't want to say I love it more than when we're interviewing, you know, some of the people that we've named, we've been lucky enough to interview. But it's just totally different because these people are basically writing their life story, but telling it and knowing that their children, their grandchildren, it's always going to be there. And I love doing it, but I'm just naturally curious. And so when they're telling a story and they write out like the the, the parts of their lives, they're but they'll, you know, something they'll say, and I'll go, like you said, really? Like, I can't yeah. believe that that happened. That was the case. Tell me about that. If you don't mind, tell me yeah. about it. You know, hey, who, who for you did you interview that you came away with? And maybe you didn't know them that well, but after you had a chance to interview them, they they rank in maybe your, uh, I'm going to borrow this from Frank, your, your Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore, of course, yeah. it's always Mount Rushmore. Uh, oh. the, biggest, the biggest surprise, Barry Bonds. Really? Listen to me. I'm doing a maternity here. Really? (laughs) I thought he was the biggest asshole I've ever experienced in sports. Period. I didn't think he was a good. And, you know, I used to talk to Dexter Fowler about him. And Dex, you know, spoke to. He's like, man, he's cool, man. No, he's not. He's an asshole. So we're in San Francisco. And Dex is on the field. And Barry's out there. And he was like, hey, man, come on. I want to introduce you to Barry. I said, I met him before. (laughs) <laughs> there ain't no reason for me to come over there you know because i i i knew him back in the day and i just thought he was just not a good person and you know what sometimes they say well you might have caught him on a bad day yeah oh, but every uh, day can't be a bad yeah. day can it 
So, so for me, the way it's the way that interview happened. I mean, this is twenty years ago. I got I had a text. I Bill Greenblatt, who I know you know, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Photographer. He sent me this picture a few years ago. I look like I'm ten, and this is Bonds in two thousand. Sitting on Santa's lap. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and I got a full head of hair. I look like Rod Blagojevich. You know, it's a it's a mess. It's a it's a time capsule <laughs> I don't want to see. <laughs> and Ooh, so, I love that. So initially, you know, I started at KMOV and I'm 23 and I'm like, these guys all are going to be excited to do interviews. And all it took was about 10 minutes of the clubhouse to realize that wasn't going to be the case. (laughs) And so then it became like a sport for how they were going to tell me to go fuck myself. So I would then tell my friends, I'm like, hey, I'm going to ask Mark McGuire to do an interview today and he's going to tell me to go fuck myself. But I can't wait to see how he does it today. So so if I were single, it would have been great because I at this point have no self-esteem left and it just became like a sport. So I would go into McGuire and he goes, yeah, I'll help your career out. And I go, great. We're going to get I'm going to get the internet. That's a great answer. I got a yes. So with Bonds, I go into the Giants clubhouse and he's sitting and he truly did have the famous leather chair. That wasn't bullshit. Yeah, no, Have that's you heard right. about that thing? Yeah. And he's sitting there like a throne. And I'm like, this is going to be great because he's going to tell me to go fuck myself in the biggest of ways. And I go, hey, Barry, um, you got time to do an interview? And I'm just like, bring it. You know, tell me to go fuck myself. I'm all ready for it. I got my favorite tie on, too. Exactly. I've been waiting. I've circled the Giants on the schedule for a while. Here we go. And he goes, man, what do you want to talk to me about? And I'm like, oh, is there an opening? Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I go, I don't know. You're good. It's just a stupid, smart ass answer. And he goes, give me 10 minutes. And if I got time after I'm done with BP, we'll do it. And I go, oh, shit. But I think he looked at me. Remember Graham Bensinger when he was coming up? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, do. yeah. I think. What's he doing now? He's doing a, like he's doing like a syndicated interview show. Oh, it's really? on, on Fox Two, like at ten thirty or eleven or eleven thirty at night on Sunday. No, wait a minute, I thought Danny Mac is on at ten thirty. Okay, so then he's on after for real. Okay. I'm asleep by then. I don't know how he gets these. I asked him. I said, "Do you pay these guys? Because they don't really need the money." He goes, "No, we're just relentless." And I go, "Well, you were relentless when you were like twelve, calling the sports department. So good for you. It's paying off." So. I think in, in hindsight, Bonds looked at me as like, oh, this is a kid who's like on an internship. He's harmless. So we sit down to do the interview. And I, you know, I don't want to say I came at him, but I'm like, I, I know I didn't say it because it was a Channel 4 interview. So I know I didn't say everybody thinks you're an asshole because I wouldn't have said that. But I'm like, all these people are screaming for your autograph. You know, people ask you to do interviews. Why do you not ever want to, you know, you yeah. you you go over there and do that for two minutes and you can maybe sign 20 interviews, but it's going to last for those people. The rest of and he goes, man, I don't get paid to do that. I don't get paid to do interviews. And then I do interviews and people twist my words around and make me out to be the bad guy. So I'm not going to do them. And that's why I don't do them. And I'm like, oh, you know, I- <laughs> so he comes back, Claves, in 2001. So that was 2000, like May or June of 2000. Comes back in 2001, the year he breaks McGuire's record. And Savard says to me, you know, I'm working for Steve Savard. And he goes, you think you can get him again? Now this time he's going to break McGuire's record. I'm like, well, I know I'm going to try. So he comes back. And I don't know if you remember this. He did like a kind of a press conference to knock everybody out at once. And he comes in and he remembers me. 
And he goes, what's up, man? How you doing? I go, what's up? And I'm like, oh, I, I told Savard, I said, I'm going to get Barry Bonds again. You know, I'm peacocking around. You know, I, I can get Barry Bonds. I got this, mother. I got this. Yeah. So we get he gets done with the thing. We say hello. And he sees me. He's walking toward the batting cage. And he goes, what's up, man? How you doing? And I go, what's up, Barry? How are you doing? And it's like, we're bonding. And then I blew it. And I go, hey, while you're here. Got to go. Another interview. And he goes, man, and he goes, I don't think so. And then he walked off, and it was like he thought that it was altruistic and yeah. this beautiful relationship, and then I hit him with the, can I get another interview, and it was over. And just like that, man, it was like it was like Paulie grabbing Henry Hill at the end of Goodfellas. Now i got to turn my back on you. And he walked away, and that was it. So he well, didn't live up to the reputation, but for a brief moment in time, Barry Bonds and I were the well, best. boys. Y'all were dogs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Guys started wearing your hair the same and everything. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Now, yeah. now we got the same thing. Going. Hey, Barry, look. I, look at me, Barry. <laughs> look. Look, I'm so committed to this friendship. <laughs> Yep, you you yeah. know, and that's the fun thing about the business when you you run across those people when you least expect it. Uh, man, I've had so many. I, yeah, I bet you've got like for every one I've got, I bet you got. No, nah, I've just now. You know, I haven't had many people. Now I I tell you, I didn't like Ozuna because I didn't I like remember the way he treated. That and that was some of my favorite. Yeah, parts. I didn't some like the way he the treated Jim Hayes. Podcast ever would be our conversations when we're standing around the Cardinal Complex. Yeah, now I didn't yeah. like him because I didn't like the way he treated the cat. He didn't like, the, as in, you said, after the, the game. The cat? Yeah, Jim Jim Hayes. So, really? you know, the cat would That's try a, and get him after a game. That's interesting. And he, and he blew him off one time, or maybe a couple of times. He didn't want to talk. And so I was like, what a, what a, what a jerk. You know, Jim is the is the right. easiest, hardest working guy right. there right. is. Okay. I, I have the utmost. And I don't like people messing with my guy. No. So it kind of got back to him that I didn't like him. So he says to me, yo, uh, yo, man, I, they say you, they tell me you don't like me. I said, well, I'm not a big fan. He <laughs> said, well, why? I said, well, because of the way you, you know, you blow off the media and especially this guy over here. Him? I said, yeah. I said, he, he works his ass off. And for you to try and disrespect him on the field, I said, I'm just going to be honest with you. I said, if you hit the home run to win the World Series in game seven, I'd rather talk to the pitcher who served it up to you compared to talk to you. And I'm trying to think of who was standing there next to me. And they went like, damn, like that, <laughs> you know? And, and so on the other side of that coin, our relationship got a little better, but I never interviewed him after that. Is that right? I, 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 you know, there's a standard that you have to maintain. And, and you know what? We, we're all trying to do our job. Right. I wasn't asking him anything or Jim wasn't asking me anything that was going to be personal or disruptive or anything. Hey, you had a nice game tonight. You know, we're patting guys on the back. Right, 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 right. You know, Albert and I had that moment one time. And we just made peace last year when he came back. Oh, is that right? Okay, 2011, last game, he's here. The parade. And everybody, you know, we're on the stage and they say, hey, we want you to interview Albert. We got this video we're going to put up. And I go over to him and I say, hey, Albert, uh, can I get you for a couple of seconds? We want to talk to you. And he's not nah, I man, my own talk. Okay. I said, what do you mean? He said, you heard me. I don't want to talk. I said, well, fuck you. You know, he looked at me. He said, what's that all about? And I said, you know, you've been shitting on guys around here for a long time. And I've had it with you. 
I said, I'm really tired of it because you know what? Most of these people don't deserve it. And I said, you know, here's the deal. They're going to put this video up in your great career. And I want to put a microphone in front of you. You don't want to talk. That's fucking fine with me because I've had it. And I was pissed. And, and Arthur Rhodes, you remember him? He yes, was standing absolutely. there behind me. He was standing behind Albert and his eyes got like this. Oh, <laughs> shit. I, I, I had said to myself, I'm going to probably get fired. You know, here goes my career because he and I are, you know. So he we do the interview and I said, Albert, you think we can come back and do this again next year? He said, yes. And I said, Albert, thanks for your time and congratulations. You know what he said? Anytime, buddy. Oh, and I'm just wow. saying to myself, I'm saying to myself, I just, we just got into a fuck you contest more than, you know, 30 seconds ago. Now you're going to. So when he comes to St. Louis, I go over to his clubhouse and I said, I'm, you know, I'm going to have him for the pregame show. And so I said, and so when he comes, he comes out and he, hey, and so he hugs me and we talk. I say, hey, I got something I want to talk to you about. He said, yeah, I know. He said, I could have handled it differently. He said, and I've so heard he about it. Everything. Yeah, he remembered. And he said, I hope we can be friends. I said, well, we'll be fine, man. I said, but it's just been eating at me because I always respected you as a player. And I know you did a lot of things for a lot of people. But for the way you handled some things, I just thought you could have been better at. Because you remember Burwell blew him up about that. Yeah. yeah you know when yeah, Burwell yeah, wrote that right? column? Yeah. Yep. So we we were cool and he was nothing but graceful. I was the only one to get a one-on-one with him while he was in town. And I felt good about it because it was a really good interview because uh, he talked about a lot of different things. But, yeah, I, I, I haven't had many people blow me off that – you know, I was disappointed in, you know, yeah. some guys, you just catch them at the wrong time. And, yeah. you know, they don't mean anything. Like I had Jeter when Jeter's final year, when he came through saying nothing but go. Now I had a prior relationship with him because his dad and I went to the same college different times, but he knew that. And we had talked before uh, and he was a graceful guy. Uh, you know, so you interviewed talk- him when he came through? Yeah. And he was great. Terrific. I saw him yesterday, as a matter of fact. Oh, is that right? The day before, because his box is right near ours down here, Roger Dean. Yeah. And uh, we talked for a little bit. Um, but yeah, he, he's a, you know, he's a guarded guy, though. Very yeah, oh, guarded. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, he and so if you talk to some media people in New York, they say he never said anything in the 20 years he was here. Right. You know, but I said to myself, we, it, uh, it's not always about a riveting spicy soundbite mm-hmm. you know i think he thinks about team first and making sure this doesn't come back to haunt him so right you Absolutely. know it is what it is that makes sense that makes sense that's interesting man yeah jeter jeter was on buck show and he got him a little bit to to open up i, I, I was curious that, there's another guy who like stern had brady on and it was like right at the beginning of zoom and people mm-hmm. awkward and connections were shitty and stuff like that i'm like man that's an interview i really want to hear and then Brady was having internet issues and it wound up being just kind of a shitty interview. But Jeter, you know, is somebody who, when you mention him, kind of like I said with Arsenio Hall, I didn't think about it until you said it, but that's yeah. somebody I would love to hear really kind of like do it. I just don't know if he would, I don't know if he would do it. I don't know if he would he, do he doesn't do a lot of it. He normally holds court with the media. Yeah. And in one year, I guess it was the first year he held court uh, out in the hallway during a game with the media. And he was great. And he recognized me, remembered me. And he said, are you enjoying Miami? I'm like, what's not to enjoy? Yeah. And he said, well, I'll tell you what would be enjoyable if we can beat you guys one of these games. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's not get carried away, man. You are the Marlins. <laughs> but he is a graceful, very respectful person. Yeah. And that's all you ask, man. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, I'm not, you, we're not trying to, 
we're not trying to do anything that's earth shattering. We're just trying to get people to know who you are. And, right. you know, the so the questions are would not necessarily all softball, but fair. Is, right. is what we do. And, and yeah, you, know, I don't get, you know, you brought you brought up like, like my understanding and you would know better. And this might be an awkward spot, although he's not here and he's not coming back. But my understanding on Ozuna was a lot of guys in the clubhouse really liked him, but he was shitty to. I mean, I'm not around like I used to be with mm-hmm. TV, but he was definitely shitty for lack of a better term. But it's not like something I'm going to go on the radio and go, Marcelo Ozuna shitty. It's just like, OK, he doesn't want to do it, whatever. I don't, it's not the first guy I've seen act that way but it's interesting when teammates really like the guy but then he just doesn't have any use for the media and just like it's understood you don't even bother asking him to do it because yeah. you know that's where it is you know but you know what here here's where here was where the rub was with me he used to try and show up the media in front of his teammates like it was a big team oh joke. really and that's what i didn't like yeah, you know, in spring training and you may have been in there a couple of times and he i, I remember media, one, get the fuck out you remember he kind of media get the fuck out, you know. Yeah. Just dude, well, they were asking not- him to do his team picture. I guess it was two years ago. Yeah, I think you were in there for that, and I'm like, oh my god, Claves is going to go crazy about yeah. this. I just, you know, so and that was a whole that kind of stopped the, that that stopped the whole clubhouse, the minor league side, the major league side. Yeah, you know, and then eventually he did it, but it was just kind of like, you know, it, it's Albert, not that with serious. Albert. Albert, the thing now again, I was only around on a daily basis from his career, oh one to oh. Five, but the thing is, and this is the truth. Now I don't know about the post game stuff, but the pregame, he was he truly. Now he could have probably handled it better, I suppose, but he truly was working. He was working, right? Like he was locked in, trying to get focused. Yeah, Yeah. and so I mean, I so the the analogy, it's a shitty one, but it's like, what if I got done doing our stupid shit show, and there's like ten Dan Caesars standing in you know in the corridor. After I got done, you know, like especially after the January 7th show I talked about in the earlier hour, I mean, I would have been terrible, you know, asking yeah. about that stuff. And they're in, you know, I remember I remember Eric Davis. I don't know what your relationship Eric the Red, was. yeah. Eric the Red. Yeah. And he loved busting my balls. I think it was probably for the similar reason Barry Bonds did the interview. Eric Eric Davis is like, what is this? You know, it's like Mickey Carroll's <laughs> great, great, great grandsons in our clubhouse. <laughs> you know, and a friend of mine who worked for the Cardinals, Matt Poling. I don't know if you know Poling by chance. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he was at the Blues. He just went over to St. Louis City um, in sales. And he it was a college roommate of mine. And we're both not the tallest of people. And Eric Davis is going, look at these two short motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> And to me, it's Eric Davis from the 1980s with the Reds, and they, you know, won the World Series over the A's in 1990. And I'm 23, and I'm like, "Oh shit, man! Eric Davis is like me." Just, yeah. And he goes, "I can't wait to get home and tell everybody about <laughs> yeah. this." Yeah. He goes, "He goes, man, what's going on with you two? And I go, "I don't know. Trust me, I I don't like it. It's just the way that it's that it is. You know, the cards I've been dealt." And he goes, "And you're standing all up here near our couch." He goes, "Man, this is our office." You, you guys don't even think about it. You're standing it off. I'm like, and, he, and no, I got to tell you something. I know he was busting balls, but I can't disagree with the premise that we're just like hoarding over his office. And so many of the guys in there, you know, aren't going to ask a question and really have no business being there in the first place. I see it every day. And, <laughs> and you know, I only go in the clubhouse when I have business. Yeah. I don't go stand in there just to be part of a scrum. Oh, hey, yeah. so what have you been up to? to be you know? there, and, and, and so... I pick my spots to 
to go in and do my just like on these Zoom calls, we do something with the manager and Mo. Yeah. I don't ask questions there. You know, I, I'm I'm fortunate enough where if I something I really need to know, I can ask him or text right. him or whatever. But you know, it's such an awkward situation. And I understand and respect the players where if you don't have business, man, get the fuck out of here. Right, right. You know, I mean, now if you're waiting on a guy to get dressed and he says, Hey, give me a few minutes, I get that. But you remember, and you've been in there doing spring training when the clubhouse door opens, guys just stand there and just like gawking <laughs> around. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, what are you? It's dehumanizing. It is. I hate it. And, and I, I, I certainly feel their pain. Uh, and baseball is the last sport to really do it that way. Yeah. You know, the NFL is pretty structured. Uh, the National Hockey League's gotten that way. And the NBA has been that way. Baseball has tried to acquiesce to uh, writers needs but you know i think sometimes we kind of push that envelope a little too hard and, and yeah, they got it all spring training so that's probably 40 days yeah then you got 162 games cardinals usually are in the playoffs you got to add on there and i just i just know how it is you know for me i just for whatever reason this is the way i am i don't know why because it's not like it's a lot of heavy lifting between seven and ten but at 10 o'clock i just need like 15 minutes or a half hour decompress Exactly. Yeah. The weirdest damn thing. But I just know that's how I am. And I and I'm and these guys just played a game. Some of them, you know, not all of them are guaranteed millions of dollars. They might be fighting for their lives. And now we're just going to stand around there, you know, because they gave up the the game winning hit or whatever the hell, you know. And so I, ha I have more empathy for the situation, which I know isn't really in vogue. So we're supposed to hate them because they make a bunch of money. But I mean, yeah. I, I got empathy for it because, you know, once once you kind of get written about a little bit and you're like, oh, that's not right. But, you know, I can't really say anything. I mean, I can, but then I look like I'm bitching about it. You have a little more sympathy for the situation, especially yeah. guys who are like, in their, you know, just trying to come up and, and make it. I, I respect those guys who understand they, you know, they come out and they talk. Um, Isringhausen was great at that. Yeah, he was great. Andrew Miller was good last yeah, year. Nice we had play. some rough spots. And, and, and I respect those guys. I have even greater respect for them. And, and I have a greater affinity to understanding that, you know, they're going to have a bad night. And still they have to be on their best. You know, if they're not, then all of a sudden they're a jerk or they're this and, you know, it leads the news. And I've tried to be even more respectful of that over time where in the TV business, you know, you got to go talk to them right now. Right. You know, I have tried to go more along the line of maybe the next day or later uh, when things can kind of, you know, be ratcheted down a little bit because it's such a high strung business that they're yeah. in. Uh, and, you know, it, it is it's, you know, and, and I'll tell you, this is this is the one that pisses me off. Well, I'm just doing my job. <laughs> you know, I guess yeah. I'd be a, I'd be a poor athlete. Because I would have socked somebody at this point when they're coming in. I'm just doing my job shit. It, yeah. It's it's something about that that it, because that gives you defense in you being an asshole. Right. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, if you, you know, it's, I'm well, just doing it, my it, job. The social media type shit. Well, uh, Frank Cusimano uses a phrase, and I always cite it, but I still haven't gotten it. It's an Italian phrase, and it means the fine hand, and I can't think of what it is, but. There is a you learn a tact to it, and there's also like physical tells and certainly verbal tells in the mm -hmm. length of an answer or the tone of an answer. Like if this person is not really interested in talking, body language, whatever, you just got the fine hand. You just got to go, okay. I know I'm not gonna. It's not gonna get there. And me pressing it, you know, people might like it on Twitter, but it's not really gonna get me anywhere. And I just got to respect it. You know, I mean. 
you know, I mean, for example, here's here's one. I've ha I had Marcus Allen in, you know, when he was living in St. Louis. I wound up. Do you know him at all? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I know where he was living. Yeah, yeah where he was. He's not there anymore, and he, yeah. he he's, he's moved. But I played golf with him a few times. Got to know him, and he came into the podcast. Great guy. I mean, polished as fuck. You want to talk about the fine hand? He knew what I was doing when I was asking about Al Davis, and then he would just like deftly just swatted away like a matumbo in slow-mo man i'm just like oh that was beautiful yeah. like and i just like i know you're like shooting me down but you did it so smoothly if i didn't know any better and i'm like man we're really kind of going and i'm like do i go oj do i go oj <laughs> because exactly you're, you got that look on your face and i'm like but then it's kind of my way to like test. I cast the reel on Al Davis. And when he swatted that away, I'm you like, you knew you had no oh, shot. No yeah. way to mess with yeah. the OJ uh -huh. thing. And no. now I know. And it's just one of those things you learn. But when you're coming up, you don't know. And it just does come with time because it's not something you can read in a book. You just learn, you know, to pick up the tells and try to respect, you know, people's space, you know, and that they, that this really is that this is how they make money. I'm a fan. I want them to win. But fuck, they went 0 for 4. They're not going to be a good place. You know, I'm not going to yeah. hold them accountable. What the hell am I going to do? I got cut from everything. It's it's a uh, yeah, it's it's a very unique element in our business. And it, when you talk about we talked about this earlier about young people getting in the business. The only way you can even get close to being good is reps. You just got to yeah, keep doing it, true. but you can't keep making the same mistake. Absolutely. You got to learn from it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you got to do it. And I thought, talked to, I've talked to thousands of people, interviewed thousands of people. Uh, and some of them a lot. Like I talk to the manager every day and sometimes that could be challenging. Yeah. Uh, Matheny was, was good. Uh, and I had a personal relationship before he became manager. So he trusted yeah. me and I trusted him. Mike yeah. Schilt's been terrific. Uh, blues coaches have been, now, I had an interesting relationship with Mike Keenan. I was one of the few guys that liked Keenan because he was, oh, is that right? I didn't no, know we that. got along great. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause I would ask him questions that really made him think, uh, on how he was going to answer without, you know, dragging somebody else into it. Quinville was terrific. Yeah. I asked Quinville a question one night. He had Caruso said, come out. And he said, hey, hey, Joel wants to talk to you. I was like, oh, <laughs> what the fuck? He said, hey, man, it was a great question. He said, well, it's probably one I, I probably wouldn't want to answer in public. But next time, if you have a question, just come to me, man. Here's my number. Yeah. You just call me, whatever. Just let me know. Because, you know, I know what you were trying to do. And I know you weren't trying to do anything negative. But from a strategy standpoint, I'm yeah, fine. That, I'm good. shows you, though, with both Keenan and Quenville, two guys. I mean, Keenan, obviously not popular, but, you know, did have a, you know, the, the, the signature cup win and Quenville, all his success, that they respected you and your yeah. knowledge of the game. And I think oftentimes with hockey, it's so tough for fans who really understand the game when the media guys, and I would put myself at the front of the line. So this isn't me going, yeah, these media guys would understand the game. I, my knowledge of the game is not remotely uh, where I feel like it is with, you know, baseball or something, you know, golf, whatever, football, even though I didn't play them. Uh, and, and, and they respect your knowledge. And so you're able to ask questions strategically that most people probably who are covering that team 
you know, they couldn't go into the weeds like that, you know? Yeah. And so that's, that's a respect thing, especially a guy like Keenan, but then a guy at Quenville who, you know, when he was in St. Louis, he hadn't won cups, but you know, people knew he was, he was the real deal, you know? So that's a compliment to you when people. Well, I, I'm, I appreciate you saying it. I, I've been blessed on that front. Uh, I've gotten along with most coaches. Uh, Mike Martin and I had a moment. Oh, boy, I, was... <laughs> I like when you call them moments. <laughs> and it was all because of somebody who got in our mix that he later learned had just flat out lied. And uh, we ran in each other at Marshall Fox Hall of Fame ceremony. We stood in the corner for a half hour just talking. And I said, man, I had talked to you about how our shit ended in St. Louis. He said, yeah. He said, you know what? That was so long. We, you know, he said, you, you, we're cool. He said, I probably, he said, you got to remember, I was half crazy then, and I was had so much shit going on. <laughs> At least you're some self yeah, and, and so, and to this day, we talk, whenever we play the Padres, I give him a call, and I've had him on podcasts before. Uh, and, he, you know, it, it was one of those situations where he knew he knew better because he knew he and I had a better relationship, but he allowed somebody else to get in the middle of it. And He had a few of those, claims because yeah. when, when Martin was hosting the Morning Grind with me and the cat, he came on one time and just in the middle of the interview, he goes, Martin, you really hurt me. I remember you know, that. Yeah. And me and the cat are just like, we're going to back away from yeah, the uh -huh. we're gonna chip out of the room here. Out. Yeah. But he I had something that. I think with Bernie a little bit too. And I think, yeah. so, I think when they lost to the Patriots and he was this shooting star, kind of you thought it was a two foot putt to win that game. And then it didn't happen. And then that just was, that spun him out of control with insecurity and God only knows what else went on. You probably know better than I do, but well, that, that'll be, that'll be a conversation for our next round of golf. <laughs> oh, I want to hear and, it. And, and when you hear it, you're going to just shake your head and say, I'm not really surprised. <laughs> I can just promise you. And know the hey, recording devices. That's one thing I'm aware of. <laughs> hey, listen, we have, uh, we've exceeded our limit again, folks. Let me tell you something. If you didn't get enough of, Tim and I, and just that's too damn bad. We've been talking for uh, two hours. Uh, damn, what do we do? Do we do two hours? Yeah, well, we're at a we're, we're at an hour and 40 minutes Is that, that we've right? talked, Look and up. I've enjoyed every minute of it. I have too. I'm and just, I'm uh, just back listening to stories. What else could I ask for? Yeah, I mean, My no, but I'm coming at any minute, and he's yeah. three and he's bad shit, so we somehow dodged that bullet. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? In this day and age, man, that comes with the territory. Um, uh, but hey, Tim, this has been great. It's going to be on it. your website. It'll be on my website. Yep, yep. And I just tell everybody, hey, folks, there's some guys in town, whether it's Tim or Danny Mac, they're working their asses off to try and give you good stuff. Uh, as you can tell, Tim and I are friends, as is Danny Mac. We don't have – we're not petty. We don't – you know, we want to see the other guy do well too. And uh, I, I, it's a tribute to you and, and Dan and, and guys, and you guys have done such a tremendous job in moving this thing forward. So hopefully some other people uh, will decide to try this and we can That's be part of it. And, you know, maybe they'll pay us. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that. Congratulations on what you've built with Claves Online. I've, I always love these conversations and I enjoyed the uh, the golf a couple weeks ago and hopefully we can do we'll it. We'll do it again before you get out of here. Well, you, uh, you, well, you're not probably coming back till July, right? <laughs> I don't know. Come in, check the mail I mean, and go back. My wife yeah, last night, as a matter of fact. She goes, oh, well, we got to get this done here in the next few weeks. And I go, well, you know, we could kind of stay for April, maybe. And she's like, is that right? I'm like, oh, well, maybe maybe we'll have a talk. Maybe, hey, listen, maybe you can have her on the podcast. You, and you can, can work through that for me. As long as you don't have to put a kid in school yet, you're good. 
That's the thing. I got and, a couple more years. Yeah, I, hey, milk that cow while you I can, know. man, because <laughs> shit's gonna change after that. <laughs> Folks, he's Tim McKern, and I'm Mike Claiborne. We thank you for listening and watching on InsideSTL.com and also ClavesOnline.com. And uh, you never know, we may be doing this again before you know it. So have a great rest of your day, night, or whenever you listen to this fine production. All right, man. Uh,